0: Welcome to the Asset Management Friday's edition of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. Your hosts, Gary Lipsky and Kyle Mitchell, have more than 45 years of combined experience in operations and management and more than 25 years of real estate investing experience. This show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems, manage their properties more efficiently, and become a best in class operator. 100% Street Talk. Let's jump in.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to our Asset Management Friday segment of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate podcast. I'm your co-host, Kyle Mitchell, also joined by Gary Lipsky. Also, be sure to check out our Facebook group, Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate.
2: How many times have you thought, there has to be a better way, while working through endless rent rolls and historicals? Enter to Red IQ, who will process and standardize them, generate deep and accurate property insights, and bring you through the final underwriting all in just five minutes. As for underwriting, thanks to Red IQ's new Excel add-in called QuickSync, you can continue using your own model and instantaneously populate it with the data from Red IQ with just the click of a button. Request a demo today at RedIQ.com.
1: All right. Today on the show, we have Tahid Siddiqui. How are you doing, Tahid? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for coming on. Sure. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, if you can start by telling the listeners a little
2: bit more about yourself and what you currently do. Sure. So I'm a land developer and a builder of multifamily buildings here in North Dallas. And in addition, I am a GP in 1,300 units, basically in Texas and Florida. And I would say the combined acquisition price of those 1,300 units is about $90 million. They're all Class B and Class C. Welcome to the show. Let's talk about downside protection. Obviously, this is more important than ever. What are three key things you do for downside protection, Tahid? Sure. And I'm sure those of you who know me, I always talk about it, right? Even in greater markets. So look, three key things, right? Probably two are before you make an acquisition. And one is at closing or post acquisition. First and foremost, it's going to go back to your underwriting assumptions right now, right? What kind of rent growth you were using? What kind of economic vacancy? Tax numbers? and the delta of the reversion cap rate versus going in cap rate. And I think anyone who did not use the long-term historical norms and instead preferred the current figures of the hot markets might be hurting right now. But if you went with longer-term averages, it's fine. Very first one to me for downside protection is the conservative underwriting assumptions that you use. Second is location and the sub-market even within the market, right? Just saying DFW, God, it's very wide, Yeah, right? Even within DFW, certain sub-markets and location will perform a lot better. And when you're just late in the cycle, you got to be more picky with your locations. So location and sub-markets going to be critical. These two are prior to closing, but post-closing or at-closing, cash reserves, right? you always got to have liquidity. If you don't have liquidity, God. If you can't survive in difficult markets, then you can't thrive later on, right? So it's all keeping your head above the water during the difficult times. So for downside protection, it's conservative underwriting, location, submarket, and cash reserves. What percentage of the purchase price
0: do you set aside for your reserves?
2: So for me, there's no really set formula, to be honest. You know, it depends on the size of the property, it depends on the condition of the property, and even it depends on the location of the property. So for example, you may have a even class B property that may have a higher maintenance cost versus another class B that has a lower maintenance cost. Let me give you an example. In 2018, I bought a property for $11 million, and that has an immediate repair list of $192,000. Last year, I bought two properties, and one had zero immediate repair, and the other had $3,500. So it depends, right? That kind of tells me what I could be spending. So this cash reserve is, if you can have at the very minimum three months of expenses, right? when you're taking a significant hit to your total income, that could work. However, again, there's no fixed number. The bottom line is, during the headwinds, would you be able to keep your head above the water? If you can survive through difficult six to 12 months, man, you get on the back end, you're going to thrive. Right now, if you don't go in forbearance, which I'm sure vast majority of the properties are not, you're okay, but if you go in forbearance and you're going to have to live with those stringent terms, you may not see the back end of this thing, and that's trouble. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about hedging the knowns versus the unknowns. Yeah, that's my another favorites, right? There are known unknowns, and there are unknown unknowns. Known unknowns you can hedge. It may not be the magnitude, you know. For example, you know interest rate kind of hit you hard, but hey, if you go in long term fixed rate, you're fine. The problem is with the unknown unknowns. You just don't know. Who would have guessed COVID-19? So what can help you? It's very much you know, the three things that we talked about earlier. Again, liquidity is the key. For any kind of unknown unknown that you don't know, you don't anticipate and it's gonna hit you, you're gonna have to rely back on your liquidity. And it goes back to again, the conservative underwritings and the great locations right now are going to survive. If you are in difficult markets with no liquidity and you were aggressive in the underwriting, God, it's gonna
0: be tough. And how do you manage differently during downtimes? Just a couple examples.
2: So for me, um, first of all, right, I'm working very closely with my property management companies in Florida as well as here, right? At the end of the day, they are there. I'm not there from nine to five every day. So I'm working very close with them while not overburdening them. That's key also, right? Right now, it's, it's difficult times. Those guys need to do work. But I'm working very close with them. We're still doing one or two weekly calls, but working very close. The other thing is really communicating more frequently with tenants as well as investors. We all know right now investors are concerned. So, for example, I think on one of the properties we bought, we closed on February the 25th, right before all this storm hit. And I think in just April alone, I sent four updates. So you got to stay in touch with your investors. You got to stay closely in touch with your tenants. The other thing we are doing right now in these difficult times is working with tenants, and I just keep also communicating to my property management company. The more we assist them, the more it's going to help off. bottom line. A couple of things we've done in two of my properties here in Dallas, we arranged meal assistance programs for kids. So now we have a nonprofit coming to our property and giving meals to kids six days a week. You're getting a lot of goodwill from from the tenants, and you're helping them during these difficult times. The other thing we're doing is. Not only just letting them know where they can go for rent assistance programs, we have set up a station and said, why don't you come to the office? We'll file it for you. We'll provide you the guidance. We'll help you. And even if you want us to file it for you, we will. Because some C-Demographics tenants we have, they're not very good maybe with the internet. So we help them. The other thing is obviously, look, you know, there's no rocket science. But now you got to be scrutinizing your expense. What we were doing before... Obviously, you always want to be very careful with it's expensive, but more so now. So cut where you can and even revise some agreements where possible. Great advice. How are you handling lease renewals differently than you did two months ago? So our focus right now, and this is true pretty much across all properties, is to what I call close the back door as much as you can, right? So what we are trying to do is renew as many as possible because the fact is they also don't want to move, right? So we are being flexible and we are providing them incentives so they stay with us. Not only are we being more flexible with the renewals, but also honestly with new leases. For example, the property we closed on in February, obviously we had a plan to upgrade and then raise rents. Right now, all those plans have been frozen. Our focus right now is to keep the occupancy as high as possible.
0: All right. I'm going to pass it over to Kyla. Wrap it up.
1: All right, Taheed, we ask everyone this final question. What is your asset management superpower?
2: You know, first and foremost, right, you got to have a very strong relationship with your property management company. Again, you know, they're the one who execute your plans. So for me, to do anything from my standpoint, you know, on asset management, I got to have a very good relationship with property management company. And I try to do that in Florida as well as here in Dallas. Other than that, obviously, you always want to stay focused on the data and KPIs. So I always watch very closely, not just the daily numbers, but more trends in the occupancy, in delinquency, in collections, and the turnover. Turnover is another thing, by the way, that is obviously very critical. You know, we all know it's very expensive, even in a good market. And right now, you want to pay a lot of attention to your turnover. So just to summarize again, having a good relationship with property management company and monitoring the trends closely on occupancy, delinquency, collections, and turnover.
1: Great. All right, Tahit. Thanks for coming on and talking to us about downside protection. Learned a couple things there. It really starts in the beginning on downside protection with conservative underwriting. And then as you mentioned, real estate is hyper-local. It's not just local. So it's not just the market. It's the neighborhood you're buying in. And then cash is king, right? So have cash reserves and liquidity. So if you can tell the listeners where they can find out more about you.
2: Well, sure. My construction company, Toss Investments, we have a website, which is T A A S investments with a plural dot com.
1: Perfect. And to all our listeners, thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and Stitcher and give us a like, subscribe and review so we
0: can continue to grow the audience and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Group on Facebook so you can reach Kyle and Gary and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe, too, so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, go to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Gary and Kyle, sign up on the contact page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.